Shalom everybody, uh, we're continuing where we left off, the Kutalachot, section Evan Ezer, the laws of marriage, Halacha discourse number 3, paragraph 29, we're towards the end now, 11, 12, uh, 10 elevenths into this long paragraph, so where we left off about how Rav Nosen explains the idea of Shabbat vis-a-vis the attitude of the weekdays, is that the concept of Berurim, Berurim, Bet Resh Vav Resh Yudmem, connotes clarification, cleansing, to elevate, to reconnect. That activity is exclusive for the weekdays, where Shabbat is the actual root. Shabbat represents the actual root of the where where to where we we're going to elevate once once what has been selected and and clarified and cleansed and sifted out during the six days of the week from the sadness and sorrow attitude of the six days of the week to reconnect the good deeds that we sift out to the root in Shabbat, which is the concept of joy. Okay? So now at this point, Rav Nassim says, this is also synonymous to the Kohen, as opposed to the Levites and the Yisraelim. Watch, Rav Nassim says like this, this itself, what we just mentioned about Shabbat, is itself the concept of the Kohen himself, the priest himself. Okay, I'll just stop at this point. That all of the clarifications made by the other two groups of the Jewish community, as you know, the Jewish world is broken down to three groups. You have Kohanim, Leviim, and Yisraelim. Even though there's 12 tribes, but from one tribe, the tribe of Levi was split into Kohen and Levi, so that, that there exists now another 12 tribes outside of the tribe of Levi, because he's considered set aside. So from the 12 other tribes come all the Yisraelim. We're all called Yisraelim from the 12 tribes, right? But from the tribe of Levi, which is like technically tribe number 13, because of the splitting of Ephraim and Menashe from, uh, from Yosef. So those are the groups of 12 tribes making up the Israelim. And from the tribe of Levi comes the Kohanim priests and the Leviim. But these are three categories of Jewish existence, Jewish status. You have Kohanim and the Jewish people, and you have Leviim and Israelim. And each one, like we said, has different rights and different restrictions. Okay, The Kohanim being the most restricted from the Jewish people. So we said that all clarifications done from stage Levite and Yisraelite, which are below the Kohanim, because compared to the Kohanim, let's say, on a more practical level, in the time of the Temple, in the time of the Temple, the Kohanim did not work. The Kohanim were set aside to be a part of, of functioning the Holy Temple. That was their job. They didn't go out to work. They didn't have fields and forests to work and to, to make a living out of that. Rather, they got everything directly from the Jewish people, the trumot, all the donations, the tithings, and what was set aside from the crops and everything had to be given to the Kohanim. That was their pay. And in, 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 in turn, they're the ones who would do the service of the Holy Temple, sanctified for that. So, Behul though, when you look at it like in that perspective, the concept of clarifying from sadness and sorrow, that that more is applicable to Levites and Yisraelim. Because when you take the attitude of a Kohen, who's all day long 
normally in the temple, and the temple is a very uplifting, positive, or holy, enlightening attitude. So there's no room really for sadness and sorrow in the daily life of a Kohen. The Kohen, even though he still has to daven in the morning, let's say in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, he would have to put on tefillin in the morning, have to set time for Torah study and prayer and everything. But the rest of the day, the remainder of the day, he was involved in the temple. Even though he would have a family to go home to, a wife and kids and everything. But the main thrust of his day, the work day, which makes up the majority of people's lives anyways, was totally consecrated in a place of, of joy and upliftingness. So there's no room for sadness. So even if he would go back home at night, he wouldn't have an average like attitude of being exposed to sadness and sorrow that would make him the, having challenges even at home, you know, when bringing a coming normal people when they go to work and they have a rough day, a tough day so unfortunately they take that with them when they come home the Kohanim that holy, the holiness that they were exposed to in the Holy Temple would brush off even in their homes and their families that makes the status of the Kohanim different so Berur mainly takes place from Levite and Yisraelite, because Levim and Yisraelim, Levim would also work, but not as much, and not as involved in the most consecrated, in the most happiest part of the temple, which is the sacrifices, and that work which the Kohanim were involved. So Levites and Yisrael are on one side, even if the Levim were working in the temple, but was more laid back compared to the Kohanim. Levim also could technically work, even though they received also Maaser, tithing from the Jewish people, but still, the Levites work in between, but more tilting towards the sign of the Israelim when it comes to experiencing sadness and sorrow in their daily lives, which, which reflect their work to do clarification much more. So in understanding that introduction, Rav Nosen is saying, all the clarifications which are from the side of the Levites and the Israelim, that they were mevarerim, that they would clarify in their daily work, and their daily struggle, in their daily lives, and like we said, that are the concept of the ten types of song, because if you remember, we said also that when someone would bring a sacrifice to the temple, so three were involved, the three groups were involved, the Kwanim were involved in actually sacrificing the animal, the Levites were playing music, and the person who brought the sacrifice would be, first of all, doing a confession, but also there would be Yisraelim reading parts of the Ma'amadot, parts of Torah portions, which the reading of the Torah, in a sense, is like Rav Nosson said earlier in this lesson, that Torah study and Torah recitation is also under the category of the ten types of song. So in the temple, the Levites and the Israelim were involved in the concept of the ten types of song. That's where selection is needed where picking sifting like music is sifting out the good note from the bad note that's beru that's clarification cleansing so that is more involved with the levites and the kohanim so he's saying like this all the beruim that the levim and the israelim that they clarify which is the concept of the ten types of song kulam hem kohen everything he says here comes due to and thanks to the strength of the kohen because we said the Kohen is representing the joy, the root of the joy. Uh, the root of the joy itself is the root. But you don't develop at the root. The root From the root, there's a development. And in the area developed, that's where you see the results, like in a tree. The root is underground. You don't see the root. But what co- comes out of the root, the, the trunk, the tree, the branches, the leaves, the fruit, that is, is another domain outside of the root. So that's what he's saying here. The Kohen... 
Like we said earlier in this lesson, the Kohen represents the initial voice of God, which is the root of the ten types of song, because that's the idea of the direct voice of God. The, that the Kohen represents someone who's totally immersed in the sacrifices in the Holy Temple. He's in Shabbat. He's the idea of before creation, the light of the of the spiritual entity, the spiritual spiritual source and root. That's the idea of the coin. From that, there's an emanation, like the, the initial voice of God. We said there was a bouncing, if you recall. And from that bouncing came forth the entire universe. And in that bouncing, are the, all types of sounds made by creation and mankind are under the category of the ten types of song. Okay? So, the, everything is in the strength of the coin. Who's the concept of the initial simple song, where there's no combination of notes, there's no assortment and like divisions. There's only one single note that's above all the other notes. It's something phenomenal. It's a song which is single fold. There's only one tune to it. That's it. One melody and that's it. There's no like combination of notes. It's a single unit, but it's above and it's the root of the other ten types of melodies. Shehu Shoresh HaKol. That's the root of everything. Right? But then it goes on. So you would think... So he should also be involved in the clarification if now he has a connection to song. He says, Rav Nosen, Avala Kohen Ba'atzmo, Asur lo latzet mikdushato elachutz bimkomot shenechaz beyoter hayagon vanacha. But the Kohen himself, it's forbidden him to go out and, and of, of the domain of his holiness to places where, which are called outside, to places which have an influence and a stronghold much more than the Holy Temple, for example, of sadness and sorrow. Okay? In other words, this is really amazing what he's saying, that the Kohen status demands that he maintain a happy, positive attitude more than other people because of who he is and because of what he's representing and because of what he does. That he's involved in the temple service, so he's required to maintain a positive attitude always. And because of that, he is restricted in where he can go, even till today. Kohanim have restrictions to who they can marry and to where they can go. For example, a Kohen cannot walk into a cemetery. He can't become made impure by walking in a place exposed to, de- to death. We're going to see that right now, how he's going to explain it, Rav Nosen. So the Kohen himself is forbidden to go out to leave his domain of holiness to outside into places where there's a stronghold and a grasp of sadness and sorrow. Shehem Bechinat, which are, for example, when it comes to marriage, the idea that a coin is prohibited from marrying Isha, Zona, Vachalana, Vachule. A coin cannot marry a woman who is a Kabbal Tshuva, who was once a prostitute, say for example, or a Chalala, a woman who's born from a blemished. Kohan relationship, that a, that a man who was a Kohen, married for example a divorcee, he didn't follow the rules so now the child is not considered Jewish no, the child is Jewish but the child has a status called the Halal in the case of a, child, a baby, a girl she's a Halala, such a girl it's forbidden now for her when she grows up to marry a Kohen, she can marry a regular Jew, but she can't marry a Kohen because she is the product of a, of a, of a blemished Kohanic relationship between the father who didn't follow the rules and married someone who was not supposed to, not allowed to. And then he married a Jewish woman, but he wasn't supposed to. So we say the law is she's Jewish 
for her, the mother's Jewish, she's Jewish. Just that he wasn't allowed to marry that type of woman if she's a divorcee, a convert, whatever, that type of case. He has to guard his, his holiness in order to maintain his, his level of purity, in order to maintain his joy and simcha. So he has a restriction into who he can marry. And we said, in normal marriages, the, 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 the main thrust of, and goal is that the man elevates the wife. The woman, she has a yearning to be married, to be with a husband, because he's someone who can normally fill in her gap, fill in her lacking. That's the goal of marriage. The woman is looking for marriage in order to be made complete. That's the beauty about marriage. That's the secret of the love, that they need each other, they depend on each other, especially the woman towards the husband. She feels a dependency because he's the one who can bring light into her life. Now this is true even by a Kohen, a Kohen regular marriage, but in a regular the Jewish marriage, the challenge is much greater because of the workload and the attitude that a regular Jew has in society, that is to be exposed to the world more than a Kohen, and thus his challenges of sadness and sorrow are much more. Because of that, a regular Jew can handle the workload of being married with a woman who's a, who was once a prostitute, for example, or she was once married and she's divorced, where in these cases, we would say that the woman has much more unfortunate connection with sadness and sorrow that needs to be elevated. It's more of a challenge, it's more of a struggle, and a regular Jew can do that, he can work to elevate. A Kohen cannot, because he's, he hasn't been in the challenge zone strong enough to battle such levels of sadness and sorrow, and he's not allowed to. He, someone, has to be inside all the time, because of his role as a Kohen in the Holy Temple, and even till today, the Kohenim who give us the priestly blessings, depending on your community, if it's three times a year in the festivals, if you're Sephardi, it's every day, all over, if you're in Eretz Yisrael, also every day, so depending on where you are, the Kohenim have a mission to bring down blessing to the Jewish people, and the Kohenim can only do that if they have a happy attitude, even today where there's no temple, still the Kohenic blessings have to be said besimcha, it says in the Halacha, that the Kohen when he blesses the community, if there's someone in the community he doesn't get along with, so he's not allowed to, to give the priestly blessings, because he has a type of a reservation and hatred in his heart towards somebody in the, in the shul, so he can't do the priestly blessing if that's the case. It's only if now there's like happiness and getting along with an easygoing attitude, then he can give the blessing, because it has to be done for positive, happy attitude, which is the Kohen, Kohen's status, okay? So with that said, the Kohen can't marry, for example, Isha Zona Vachalala, forbidden woman, who for him are considered the domain of sadness and sorrow. And also, like we spoke about earlier, Vechen Shvuya, a woman who is held captive, like we said, that even in a woman who has held captivity, even though she's released now, but still she had exposure to a high degree of sadness and sorrow, which a Kohen cannot fix. It's not his job. It's the wrong address. Shehu bechinat avdut, that the idea of bondage is the idea of slavery, which is bechinat shevi galut mitzrayim kaniz like we mentioned earlier, earlier in this lesson, is the idea of the bondage and the exile of Egypt. Bondage is exile, is Egypt, which is sadness and sorrow. That was the opposite of the redemption. There were The Jews were in a sad and sorrow situation when in Egypt. He goes on. Because the Kohen is holy in the same attitude and status as the holiness of Shabbat. In other words, the word Kadosh applies to Shabbat, and the word Kadosh applies also to the Kohen. Like we see the Torah says in Vaikra chapter 21, verses 7 8. And you must sanctify him. The Kohen, give him sanctity. 
because he is holy for his Lord. Okay? And Shabbat also is called Shabbat Kodesh. So now going back, And everything clarified, all the joy, joy, the mitzvot and good deeds sifted from the sadness and sorrow of this world by the Levites and for sure by the Israelites must eventually reach, once, once clarified and sifted, must now be brought to him. Right? Because he's the root. He's the root of the joy in this sense. When it comes to the status of the Jewish people. Okay? The Kohanim was taken from the Levim and the Israelim. And then he gives back joy, he gives back blessings. But he, he, has, he can't leave his domain. That's what he's saying here. Okay? But he, the Kohen, can go out to the regular, regular battle zone of a regular Jew. It's forbidden for him to go out to the place which is exposed to high degrees of sadness and sorrow that are beyond his ability to fix because it's not his job. Also now, we understand based on all this, why it's forbidden for a Kohen to become impure with contact of death, of dead bodies. He's not allowed to be in a cemetery. He's not allowed to be in a funeral home which is not set up for Kohanim. He can't make himself impure. He has to have a reservation to separate him from any dead corpse. Why? Why? A dead person, it's sad. When you see a dead person, you're not happy. It's a sad thing. Someone was once alive, smiling and dancing and talking and eating and drinking and moving and all of a sudden, they're just like a rock. That's not sad. Someone who had life and vitality you can speak to and then they're no longer here. They're, they're, they're just like a, a, a stone, unmovable, that, that, that doesn't hurt. Of course it's sad. So sadness and sorrow has an association with death. Because of that also, because it's sadness and sorrow, at a high degree, the Kohen has to maintain his purity, meaning to maintain his level of joy, and to cut as much as possible physical exposure to contact with a dead corpse, where the physical exposure is a much higher dosage of sadness and sorrow than by just seeing pictures of a dead body, seeing pictures, photographs, a video. It's not the same when you're actually in physical contact. That In that situation, there is sadness and sorrow. And on that, the coin has to also be careful because it's not his mission. He can't fix and go into that domain of sadness and sorrow. He can bring a boost to the good sifted out, but he's not allowed to go to that domain and face it in the front, in the forefront. He's not allowed to do that because he can't have the ability to mitigate the sadness and sorrow in that domain. Rather, at his source, he can fix every, everything that's brought to him. That's the idea of the Kohanim and the Beit HaMikdash. Okay? That's the death, is a side, that sadness and sorrow is called the side of death. That's a term from the Zohar. This is also the idea of the un- unbelievable sadness, uh, the unbelievable bitterness, sorry, of the sadness and sorrow that the people mourning over the dead person, the deceased person experience. That's the, the unbelievable bitterness of the sadness and sorrow experienced by the mourners over someone who de- was deceased. Rahman al Hashem should save us, and as mentioned above also in this discourse earlier. Kia Kohen asur latset limkomot kaelu. For the Kohen, priest, 
whose holiness, who's representing joy, it's forbidden for him to go to such places. He can't elevate from there, sift out the good from the, the, the sadness and sorrow that's there because it's too severe for his level. Kikadoshu, because he's holy in the sanctification, Bibchinat Shabbat, at the level of Shabbat. Just like on Shabbat, it's forbidden to mourn, it's forbidden to be sad, it's forbidden to really be broken on Shabbat. Even for Tshuva, you're not allowed. You have to be in a happy, positive attitude on Shabbat. That's how it's designed. Because everything comes up to Shabbat, so to here, everything comes back to the Kohen also. Even till today, you can say, Okay, because in Shabbat and the Kohen, there's no more clarification. He's now taking what's already clarified and reconnecting it to its root. That's all. No more clarification. Okay? It's just that all everything that's clarified during the six days of the week, everything clarified by the Levites and the Kohanim to the music, let's say. The music is the idea of sifting out, picking the good notes from the bad notes. That's life. That's how life represents. That we're sifting, trying to find good things in our day, in a struggle to, to give our life meaning and purpose. That's the idea of making melody from our life. All that eventually is brought to the Shir Pashut, the singular song, the root of the ten types of song, the direct voice of God from before creation, in which there, there there's no clarification at all. It's the root. Everything comes there to be reconnect, uh, reconnected and re-energized at its source.